0: We're in the Gospel of Luke, uh, nearing the end. And um, so that we all remember, last week we heard at the Last Supper, we watched on and saw uh, four things in our King Jesus. We saw the humility of King Jesus, who, uh, though the world was made through him, said, I'm among you as one who serves. And we wondered about what kind of love must it take? What's the source of Jesus' ability to be among us as one who serves? We looked at the authority of our king who conferred on his disciples and on us a kingdom. And the ability and responsibility to represent God in this world. And then we looked at the grace of our king who went ahead of Peter and made a way for forgiveness and said, you're going to deny me and I'm praying for you and when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen the believers. The grace of Jesus that goes ahead of us, that knows when we fail and then we looked at the provision of our king who just simply said, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? And the answer was no and that was it because they knew that they were now on mission with Jesus and he would provide everything. So, humility, authority, grace, and provision. And now this is what happens next. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, meaning the place they normally went to, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Oh Jesus, we thank you for your surrender, for your trust of our Father in heaven. And we pray that you would lead us all this morning into that same place of uh, trust and submission, and that we would know the care of our Father in the same way that you knew it. Lord, let your love flow among us as we enter your word now. We pray that you would silence all that is not your love and your voice, Jesus. Amen. to begin by describing to you two very different experiences that I think probably every one of us has had. And um, some of you may need to reach a little bit far back into the recesses of your memory to remember one or the other, Uh, but I think we've all had them. And so the first is, it's just that day or that morning where you wake up. And um, regardless of whether the sun is shining like it is right now, it feels like the sun's shining, where your spirit is light, and it's cheerful, and it's joyful, and there's just like a freshness to you and to the day, and there's maybe a bounce in your step, and you're happy, and uh, just joyful, Cheer. you know what I'm talking about? Spring. We all we often say this and spring is in the air, but it could be midwinter, it could be any time. You just you're light. You're happy. The other one is where you wake up or you get up or you make your way into the afternoon and it feels not light, not cheery, but it feels dark, feels heavy, it feels cloudy, feels like there's uh, something following you around overhead, like a dark cloud, like you're in a funk or a mood or a something, and it's weighty, it's heavy, it weighs on you, it's oppressive, your spirit's not light and cheery. And uh, so you know what I'm talking about? We've all had these two different types of experiences. Now, here's here's what's so interesting. Uh, you can have that same experience A and experience B in the same spot. You can have that same experience at the kitchen table or in your favorite chair or driving in your car. You can have the exact same spot, have two very different sets of experiences, and those two experiences aren't tied to anything concrete or physical, like I broke my leg or I got in an accident or I, you know, something physical. Why? Because there are forces that work upon us, that work upon our souls and our minds. They aren't working on our bodies, although they produce anxiety and stress and or a lightness and a... A joyfulness, But they're first and foremost working on our souls, these forces that work upon us that are things that we can't see. And how do we respond to those? Well, when we're light and cheery, we just love to go with it. But when we're weighty and dark and we're heavy and something's pressing in, how do we respond to that? What's our response? How do we deal with it? This is where we meet Jesus as we enter into this text today and it's going to be actually the central question of the text is how do we as children of God respond under situation and circumstances that are weighing heavy, that are pressing in upon us because when we enter into this text this morning, nothing's happened in terms of nobody's there with swords and clubs And no one's there to arrest Jesus yet. And yet, as they go into the garden, there's the heaviness. Something's coming. Something's weighing on Jesus. Before anyone ever gets there, he's in agony. Sweating tears as drops of blood. What's happening? Something's pressing in upon him. What is that something? He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. What's the cup? The cup is the suffering that he's about to partake in. But more clearly than that, the cup is what was spoken of by the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament when God talked about the time that he would pour out the cup of his wrath against sin, against evil, and he was going to judge it. So Jesus is getting ready to drink the cup of God's wrath against all sin from the beginning of the world to the end. Now, pay attention to your own hearts and spirits. If I just begin to speak about what was included in that cup that Jesus drank, you will feel this room start to get heavy. If we talk about every child Who's been robbed of having a parent that loved them. Every child who's had their innocence taken from them. Every woman who's ever been taken advantage of. Every business deal gone sour and life wrecked because somebody lied, cheated, stole. Every village or country that's been thrown into confusion and chaos and terror because somebody got in power that had a murder murderous spirit and that went on a rampage every place that's been affected by tyranny all of it from the beginning of the world to the end every lie ever spoken every lustful thought ever had every everything was getting ready to be nailed to Jesus On that cross, he's feeling the weight of what is coming. And we can't even begin to scrape in our imaginations what it would have been like. What that pressure would have been like for Jesus, knowing what he's going into and that it's all on him. And you know what? Praise God that as we've gone through the Gospel of Luke, we've heard over and over and over again, He's not just divine, He's human. And so we see human Jesus under the weight of that going, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way to do this? Father's already told him. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. The father's told him. He's prophesied it three times already. He told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem. I've got to suffer. I've got to die. He's known it. He's communicated it clearly. And here he is going, Father, is there any other way? That's how much it's pressing in on him. Father, is there any other way? And what he does under that pressure is he doesn't turn in on himself. He does not bear it alone. He doesn't look straight at the pressure. He goes to the Father. He goes to God the Father. And he says, he reaches out to him. He says, Father, is there any other way yet? Not my will, but yours be done. And there's this battle that's raging as he turns to the Father. And the, the text says, and God sent an angel To strengthen him. Now, that word strengthen actually is kind of like a word picture that has within it a a, a transaction taking place. That in the turning of Jesus to the Father, there's an opening up, and into that opening, it's as if the angel is mediating or pouring the strength of God. The angel begins to minister. So the turning to God provides the opening, and the angel starts to pour in. And I don't know what he's pouring in, but I know it's truth. I know it's probably coming from the Word of God. Maybe he's prophesying to him You can do this. You were created for this. God the Father is with you. He has not left you, He is strengthening you. You can walk in obedience. The human family is waiting upon you. You know, whatever he was doing, he was pouring into him and into Jesus is coming strength. He's receiving. The picture is like a jar that is not full is getting filled up. And what's the result of that filling up? More prayer. He's not done praying. There's a battle that's raging over Jesus. And he's still praying. Luke says, after the angel strengthened him, he was in anguish. And the root word is agony. It's as if Jesus is crying out, Father, strengthen me. Father, help. And who knows what Jesus was praying. But I wondered to myself this week, as I meditated on this, I thought, I wonder if those psalms that he had memorized were starting to flow out of him. I cry out to the Lord. I lift up my voice to God for mercy. When my spirit grows faint within me, you know my way. O oh Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. My spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. "'Answer me quickly, God. My spirit fails. "'When I'm afraid, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. "'In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, "'I will not be afraid. "'What can mortal men do to me?' "'The Lord gives strength to the weary "'and increases the power of the weak. "'Even youths grow tired and weary, "'and young men stumble and fall.' But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. You made me bold and stout-hearted. You strengthened me. There's strength being poured into Jesus. By God the Father being mediated through an angel for what he has to face. And so Luke says that he rises to go back to his disciples. And when he rises, he's not in the same place as when he got down to pray. Something happened in this place of prayer. God met him. Have you ever prayed like this? This kind of praying is not fickle. It's not light. It's not, Lord, I do to Lord. I do da da. This is from the depths of your heart, crying out to God. This is connecting with your need and saying, Lord, I need you. And in that declaration, in that reaching out, is the opening for God to pour in the strength, to pour in whatever's needed to face whatever He's allowing us to go through. It said that He uh, sweat as like drops of blood. He wasn't sweating drops of blood. This is Luke's way of saying that this praying was going to the core of Jesus. He was praying that hard that it went to the core of his being. Divine and human. And God meets him in that place of prayer and he's strengthened by the angel and he rises and he goes out and he finds his disciples sleeping. And he says to them, why are you sleeping? Why are you sleeping? You know why they're sleeping? They're sleeping because they have a victim mentality. Exhausted from sorrow. Too sad and too tired. But he said to them, he said, pray so that you will not fall into temptation he said that earlier. He said that on the way to the garden. These are the disciples that love him and that want to obey him. They're not outrightly rebelling. It's not like they said, well, Jesus said pray, so let's not. They just don't think they have an option because they got a victim mentality. You know what a victim mentality is? It's this. I am powerless in the face of what, I'm, what I am up against. I am powerless in the face of what's happening to me. I am a victim of circumstances who cannot control his or her own response to them. A victim mentality doesn't mean you aren't a victim as in things happen to you. Things happen to everybody. A victim mentality is, I can't do anything. I'm overcome and overwhelmed and I don't have resources. Jesus, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, knows himself to be a son of God, dearly loved. He's got resources He's the one who's going to face and receive the sin of the world nailed to him. But he's not a victim. He's in prayer. He's crying out to God and he's receiving from God. The disciples have got a victim mentality and so sorrow and exhaustion are allowed to wash over them until they're asleep. And Jesus says to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. And the words, so that you will not, are actually one word, lest. Which means, pray lest you fall. In other words, pray or you will fall. If you're not praying, you're going to fall, he says to them. And when he says, get up, the word is not just, it doesn't just mean like this, like stand up. It means, rouse yourselves. In other words, Jesus is saying, guys, you got to do something. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like you got nothing to do, but you have to take a step. You have to take ownership for yourself. You have to rouse yourselves. You are not passive victims. You have a role to play. You can pray. You can pray, and God will pour into you like he poured into me. But it's too late, because Jesus is in the middle of saying Rouse yourself so that you won't fall into temptation, and boom, here it comes. And so what happens is what happens to every human being, and it's happened to all of us many times, when we're not praying. Our human response is fight or flight. Fight is operating in our own strength, our own wisdom. We might call it out of the flesh, our sinful human nature. Lord, should we fight (coughs) him? That's going to go a long way. First of all, I've already told you I need to suffer and die. Guys aren't listening. But they respond that way because they haven't been praying. You see, prayer draws you into the flow of God's life. Prayer draws you and centers you in the truth. Prayer connects you to God, strengthens your communion, puts you right at home with him in his truth and in his heart, and it prepares you, and they're not prepared. And so because they're not prepared, they can't react the way Jesus does. Jesus is steady, and he's clear, and he's marching toward his own death, And he's able to say, no. And he heals. That's not what we're doing. Because you know why? Jesus isn't a victim. Even with all this coming at him, he's not a victim. He is walking into it on purpose. Father called him to do it. He trusts father. Father's in charge. Father's good. He's got a father. He's not an orphan. So Jesus isn't a victim, which means he can walk straight into it. They can't walk into it. They're operating out of an orphan mentality. They're abandoned. They've got, to, they've got to provide for themselves. So, And when that doesn't work, well then, and they all run away. And that's not detailed in Luke. It's in the other Gospels. In Luke, we see in the next passage, Peter coming to follow along while the others are all scattered. But they all run away. Well, when their flesh didn't work, what was left? Nothing, because they weren't strengthened in their spirits. And so then fear takes over. Fear is the work of the demonic and the kingdom of Satan. And they weren't prepared, and so they're afraid, and they run. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. Our whole lives operate on the principles of the dynamics that are involved in this text. In all of our circumstances, we will fight or we will flee or we will pray and be able to face what God brings, God allows to come, whatever trouble comes our way. And so, sometimes this happens in a moment of temptation Sometimes it happens over a long period of time. Some of you have been involved in very difficult relationships that have just tested you over and over and over. Some of those have even been difficult marriages. right? And the, the, the temptation is to operate out of your own strength. Try to conquer things with human wisdom. Sometimes some of you are uh, being tempted toward uh, just unleashing your thoughts and your anger and you just kind of let it go. Some of us are being tempted toward sexual sin, whether that's in the form of just lustful thoughts or pornography or whatever it is. Some of us are being tempted to cave to despair to hopelessness. Some of us are having waves of unbelief just regularly wash over us. Some of us are tempted to hold on to anger and not forgive and release. Some of us are, and you fill in the blank. Every day we're tempted. Every day we're tempted. And how are we going to face temptation? How are we going to not fall to temptation? The word of God says no temptation has seized you except that which is common to mankind. Nothing's tried to grab you or lay its hands on you or come into your life except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. But when you are tempted, he'll always provide a way out underneath it. Always. How? The word of God says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So we got to be able to see and sense what's coming against us, right? The disciples aren't really sensing it. They're not paying attention to it. Jesus knows what's pushing in on him. He knows his temptation is to not obey the Father, to not trust him. The disciples, they're just overcome by sorrow. They're not turning to the Lord. Jesus turns to the Lord. And so, will we turn to the Lord? And what will that look like? And will we persist? Because sometimes it's not turning to the Lord for two minutes, sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes fighting through that cloud or whatever's pushing in or oppressing or dark or holding down, sometimes it, it takes a lot of praying and trusting and waiting and listening to the Lord. I'll give you two examples, one that played out over a bit of a shorter time and one that played out over a bit of a longer time. The shorter one comes from my own life and um, marriage. There's Anne. Anne gave me permission to share this this morning. i I've, um, we've got a great marriage and I've talked to you about that multiple times, but we had an issue in our marriage over the last couple of years that uh, where there just wasn't unity and we were struggling. It was really bothering both of us. And um, one day it was bothering me enough that I decided to cry out to God and I got on my knees in front of my chair in my office and I just began to Tell God how much it hurt, the disunity in this area hurt, and I didn't want it. And Lord, would you reveal and expose what it's coming from, and would you bring unity, and would you give understanding? And Lord, give us both hearts that are just soft, and hearts that want to serve and love. And Lord, and as I'm praying, it's just kind of, it's getting in in touch with this deep place within me, this deep yearning, and and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden, as I'm praying, all of a sudden, it lifts I can't tell you what happened, just that something shifted, something changed. I felt it. I felt as I was praying, God, you've done something. You've, you've answered, you've changed something. I don't know what it is, but I just know I can trust you. And like the cloud left and the light came in and my soul was able to experience peace. And six hours later, I find it's, we're in conversation and it's, it's, it's not there. It's shifted. Now we can talk about it. Now we can reach unity. We can move forward. It's not between us, but we're working as a team. And the issue's still there, but we're working as a team. We're in unity. Okay? You'll notice the Father didn't remove Jesus' suffering. He strengthened him. He gave him everything he needed to go through it. That's what happened for us. We had an issue still, but we were one. We could move through it, okay? Here's the longer-term one. Ron gave me permission to share this. Ron has been through a tumultuous number of years in which he experienced a very painful divorce from his wife. But this morning he testified to me of the transformation and the change that Jesus has brought in his soul. And he said, I'm so happy. My circumstances haven't changed. They're hard. But I'm so happy in them. I don't have to control people. I just control myself and my responses. And the Lord, when I go to him, he strengthens me. He gives me what I need to love. I don't now respond the same way I used to. Now I'm praying for and praying for. And that played out over a long time, didn't it, Ron? That wasn't just, it wasn't just two hours of prayer one day, was it? No, but when you went to the Lord... You faced a lot of temptations. You faced the temptation to give up. You faced the temptation to get bitter. You faced the temptation to focus on the things that were hurting you instead of focusing on the Lord. You faced the temptation to listen to the thoughts that you were having versus the thoughts that the Lord would give and speak. Right? You faced a lot of temptations, and we face these temptations every day because we're born into a world that doesn't know God, because we grow up inheriting thought patterns that aren't true. How will we be strengthened to face and not fall into temptation? Every child of God has this inheritance. We have been united with Jesus. We are one spirit with him. If you believe in him and you're in Christ, he's put his spirit in you and you're not a victim because the one who faced the cross and the strength of the father lives in you. And so I feel like the biggest thing the Lord wants to say today to us is rise up and recognize what it means that you're sons and daughters and that he wants to break off of us Victim mentality that would have us languish under things without praying Please hear me saying that he's not doing away with all difficulty Okay, he strengthens us. He pours the love and the peace the joy the presence of his holy spirit into our hearts He strengthens us to battle in prayer for our own lives for our relationships our friendships our marriages this is the place where he pours out his grace. And this is the hour where he's saying to his church, Church, will you rise up and be men and women and children of prayer? Will you pray like my son prayed because he's in you? And so I want to end by going into a, a prayer. And just I'm simply going to acknowledge before the Lord that we need his help for this. Because the, the strength that you see in me as I'm preaching is called unction. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not our own. We don't do this in our own strength. We just invite the Lord. I believe that Jesus got down on his knees in weakness. And that he wasn't as strong when he started as when he left. But he turned to the Lord. And all we've got to do each time is turn to the Lord. And he gives the strength. So I'm going to ask him to do that for us together. We're going to acknowledge before him where we haven't. Where we've relied on our own strength. And then we're going to enter into singing the song of response. Lord, I need you. Lord Jesus, thank you that it is not the hour of darkness anymore. But it is the hour of light in our lives. Because you are the light of the world. You are the resurrection and the life. And you give yourself fully to each of your children. Lord We acknowledge before you that in places and spaces and sometimes large sections of our lives, we've rolled over and caved to the things that were pressing in on us. We've not prayed. We've not persevered. We've not created space for you to pour into us. And as a part of that, we've not treasured the truth of your word for what it is and the power of, That you would work in our lives through that word. But Lord, we also know that you don't come to us with this word to accuse or condemn. You come to bring freedom. You come to change. You come to heal. You come to pour your very life into us. So we thank you for that. We thank you that you offer forgiveness. And Lord, we pray just pour out a spirit of unction to pray upon us as individuals and as a congregation. Lord, mobilize us to pray for ourselves, for our families, our neighbors, and even as was prayed earlier for this nation. God, thank you. Thank you that when we say we need you, you respond. And so, Lord, we sing that together now. We sing we need you.